welcome to episode 37 of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Daydal. Well, we have another fantastic episode lined up for you guys. We are getting back into the swing of being back post-lockdown and glad that you've all decided to stick with us um, and that you're as excited as we are um, to be back recording our favourite episodes. Um, on today's show, I was joined by an incredible lady by the name of Annie Lavin who goes by the pseudonym or the online profile of The Relationship Coach. Um, she was in to talk about relationships, dating, giving us a little bit of a rundown of how she got into this incredible profession. And also we ended the, the podcast with uh, audience uh, listener questions, um, which is something that we've started to do um, on our episodes, but we kind of extended it a little bit because there was actually so many questions that I got today on our social media with people looking for advice and had really, really interesting questions that she was able to help with. So it was really great um, to get her to give a window, educate us, give us some information. I also got a personal session, I feel, as well. So who is the relationship coach? Well, she works nationally and internationally to create and maintain healthy, meaningful relationships, working one-on-one with people that maybe are single, married, in relationships, just after getting out of relationships, dealing with heartbreak, a whole range of different people. So she brought us on a journey of, of who she is, what she does, and uh, who, she, who she can help. Um, and it was really, really fascinating. Um, she's also a former psychology lecturer as well. So um, she's got an incredible background. Uh, before I let you enjoy the 37th episode of The First Exchange, can I just please give a quick shout out to our Patreon? patreon.com forward slash the first exchange um, every week we get messages on our social media asking how can we support the podcast please don't ever end the podcast you know more 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 episodes and in order for us to grow and to continue to do what we love we really need your support so if you have a spare couple of euro per month please head along to patreon.com forward slash the first exchange and throw us a couple of euro um, if you would see me in a pub and you'd buy me a pint of Guinness well I'm not in a pub because we're still kind of in lockdown. So please just give us a couple of quid on our Patreon and help us continue to grow. Um, but thank you very much. And as always, please don't stop sharing the message, the podcast. Send it to your friends, send it to your family members um, and let's grow this, this goddamn thing. So without further ado, I will let you all enjoy the 37th episode of The First Exchange with Annie Lavin, a.k.a. The Relationship Coach. Annie, thank you very much for coming in. You're so welcome. I'm so excited about this episode. I selfishly got you on because this is an area that I am so interested in. <laughs> so obviously we we spoke yesterday. You were the first guest that's ever said, can I give you a call before I come on? And I loved it. We had such a good chat. So I like when I hung up, I was like, I can't wait for Annie to come in. Oh, it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, obviously we put up this morning on our social that you were coming in. And um, we're going to do a segment where we ask our listeners to have put in some questions. So we're going to call out their questions later on anonymously and get your professional opinion or your your expertise on what they've asked. Um, but before we get started, tell us how you got into this incredible profession. Oh, oh gosh. Well, it's, um, let me see. It was a series of personal failed relationships myself and realizing there was so much uh, pain and suffering that came with this, you know, mm. and then 
the messages that I was telling myself about what it meant to be single that was mm-hmm. almost like you know the second arrow as they say in in Buddhism or meditation you know you have the first arrow is that maybe you know you're not uh, relationships or intimate relationships aren't working out for you and then mm-hmm. the second arrow you throw is the one that you you know kind of story make about why that might be Wow, mm. that's very interesting. So for someone that's hearing you say that and they don't really understand, can you break that down to sort of layman's terms of what that might mean, the, the Buddhist uh, terminology there? Absolutely. It's like we have an experience and then we also have um, the meaning that we attribute to the experience. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, the meaning that I was attributing to the fact that I was failing in relationships was that there was something wrong with me. Yes. Yeah. Yes, which is like, I mean, that's probably the number one, right? Mm. I think of when, um, you know, when there's any issues in a relationship, whether it be a breakup or someone has cheated or it always comes back to the person and them thinking that it, it was them, mm. you know, especially maybe for women. I only my own experience as being a woman in relationships um, and always after someone had cheated or something had gone wrong, I always pointed the finger at myself it must have been something that I'd done yeah it's amazing how we have this uh capacity to just turn the spotlight on ourselves rather Mm. than to look at environmental factors or to look at maybe the beliefs that we were holding about love and of course that's probably even too great an expectation you know when you're figuring things out when you're young when you're kind of exploring and experimenting in relationships Mm. but uh as time progressed um, I think I always had an innate kind of uh, interest in trying to understand myself more and understand relationships more because of this kind of flaw that I th- thought thought I had. Mm. So, yeah, I would have always been very introspective and reflective and I would have sought a lot of support to help myself. Mm. But things that I would have found um, unhelpful was when I was seeking the support, it was really difficult to find tailored support, Mm. you know, for singles, for people who might be in relationships and struggling Um, apart from your your um, your traditional marriage relationship counsellor, which never felt like the right fit for me when Mm -hmm. I was in and out of um, relationships. So. I, I, I had to do a lot of searching and a lot of discovering mm. and I just felt um, it was almost a curiosity. It was like, I wonder, are there other people going through this? When I when I felt that I was coming out, you know, the far side of it, when I yeah. felt that I had learned and I was, um, you know, thinking differently, speaking differently to myself, feeling differently, um, you know, could could what I learned be of service to other people? Mm. Mm. Very interesting um, point there. And something that I always ask on the podcast uh, to the range of guests that we have from all different backgrounds and and you know, educations and career paths is about that life purpose. And, you know, uh, do you feel that what you're doing now is is your purpose? And 90% of the time, they've all said something along the lines of having a service and a, a want or a need to give back mm. it, as a direct response, I suppose, to them either being given that opportunity by other people mm. or... Um, not having something maybe in their lives that they were missing and now they're looking at their experiences and their service and saying I actually can be of service to other people and we had a um, a therapist on in one of the early episodes uh, Dr. Rina Kuliri and she described that service or need to have service as 
the key to happiness as a human, mm. which was very interesting, I felt. Really? So that's interesting that you've you've, you've touched mm. on that as well. To be of service, yeah, to feel as though we're in this together, to feel yes. as though there's like a community effort around um, what one person experiences is never really isolated to one person because... Yes. It's part of the human condition, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To, you know, to try something out for size and for it to work or not work or for it to be almost a thing that kind of breaks you open to discover more about yourself or mm-hmm. relationships. So, um, yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, my work is, is it gives me so much meaning, so mm. much purpose. Yeah, it really does. So in terms of, I suppose, the educational side of it Mm -hmm. um, and how you actually you you get to have the title relationship coach what what did you have to do what kind of areas did you have to specialize in or you know how did it all kind of amalgamate to you then being able to be Mm. um of service shall we say (laughs) (laughs) it was a long winding road just like most experiences that I've had um yeah I was teaching for a long time and uh, there was some aspects of that that were fulfilling, but um, I I still felt there was a massive gap in terms of how was I, yes, the helping piece was there and the, the sense of being able to support others or mentor mm. others, but that um, need to kind of uh, work in more of a one-to-one capacity was really strong in me. So yeah, yeah from that, I had done the, the teaching qualification Um then I decided I wanted to move more into the direction of psychology. So I, I, I went away to um, Glasgow and studied um, uh, master's in, in, in psychological studies. It was wow. like, a, yeah, Very yeah. Cool. So that was a really good foundation to get a sense of, um, yeah, how, how that worked. And then my intention was to go on and, and do a doctorate in clinical psychology. And there was um, there was a. I mean, anyone who's studied that and who's gone down that road will understand the long journey that mm-hmm. it is. And you almost have to work as an apprentice for a number of times as an assistant psychologist mm-hmm. to figure out or to even get on to a program. So it's really, really long, um, really long, long road. But um, I got on that journey and my intention was to uh, do the doctorate. So I went and, and I did the um, uh, the assistant psychology post with the HSE in the northwest of Ireland. And I did that for about 18 months and I realized actually I wasn't so keen on on working with a clinical population. It was more my interest was still in the area of intimate relationships Mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure how I would how I would um, still end up working in that space if I was to continue the, the road or the journey that I was on. But it was really difficult because there was very few role models in Ireland doing doing yeah. what I wanted to do. Well, this was like, oh, I was mm. the, my next question to you was, you know, um, certainly when you um, make the decision to go and, and kind of carve your own path or your own career, mm. especially in a niche area at that time that I imagine it was in, in, in relationships. Um, did you have any kind of apprehension of am I doing all this work and I'm aiming to have this particular career and what if nobody comes? Mm. What if what if there's nobody at the door when I set up shop? You know, did you have those kind of worries? Oh, totally, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I did. And I made numerous phone calls um, to people who were working in the area of relationships, you know, uh, like relationship counsellors. I spoke mm. to lots of people in the field and a lot of them would have told me not to, you know, do not pursue a full-time career in this profession. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But did I, they give you a good reason why they thought that? They didn't feel it was a career that you could um, sustain full time. 
So it wasn't right. that they were, you know, discouraging me from, from going down this path. It was more a case of try not to put all of your eggs into this basket. Yes. Mm. Are <laughs> so you... I ignored it all. <laughs> so happy to hear that because I'm like uh, the eggs in the basket. I've heard that many times and I've, yeah, I've been like, it'll be fine. Don't worry. But I'm still kind of on that edge of maybe I should not have used all the eggs in that basket, you know. But uh, that's good to hear that you stuck to your guns and believed in yourself. And mm. it's and it, well, to... it, it wasn't easy. It was like it was kind of like I had to take one step in front of the other and also be kind of practical about it. So I held I was lecturing at the time um, and I did that part time whilst I was further pursuing studies. I, I, I did a diploma in, in coaching. I did um, another course in singles coaching in the States because, of course, there's, you know, very little like that here. Yeah. Um, then I did a, a diploma in marriage and relationship counselling. So I, I kind of was gradually doing all of this study alongside working mm-hmm. because with education, it gave me such a golden ticket in the sense that I could have that flexibility with yeah. free time and holidays and so on. So I was lucky. But um, yeah, that's how I made the progression from teaching education. But I kind of blended it all together because now what I do in my role is very much it's one to one. It's therapeutic work, but mm-hmm. I'm also building online courses. So again, it's kind of back into that. It's like relationship education rather yeah. than the subjects that I had been had been teaching that weren't giving me that sense yeah. of excitement or joy. Whereas this does. So it feels so much different. Who who are the people that are coming to you? Can mm. you give a, a sweeping uh, stereotype of them? Well, I mean, there. Are people were we are all so different but if I'm to think of the one common denominator across everyone I see it's that there is a vision of creating or maintaining a healthy intimate relationship mm-hmm. there is this desire to, to to you know kind of um either enhance relationship skills maybe choose wiser uh, when dating mm-hmm. um in relationship maybe in, improve an aspect of it so it could be I want to enhance or improve communication skills boundary setting being assertive mm-hmm. or it could just be that I do not know myself and I do not feel that I have a good relationship with myself so how do I go mm-hmm. about that and generally that will be a foundational piece yeah. with you know ac- across whether somebody's in a relationship or um or not you know it's so funny isn't it because those sort of like bullet points that you just kind of ticked off there you know i wonder how many people ask themselves those questions or mm-hmm. put themselves in the situation to be able to answer you know to tick off those bo- boxes i suppose or even the general one of who am i what do I want from a relationship with a partner or with people that are in your life in general? Mm. You know, I think that's something that it's only as you kind of go on a journey of discovery, maybe with yourself, Mm -hmm. um, you start to ask yourself those questions like, like, who, what, what actually do I want? Like, do I even want this? You know, and I know we spoke yesterday on the phone about, and I was telling you about that I was single and I've been single for five years and, there's not any pressure on me to meet anyone from, we'll say, friends or fr- some friends are like, you know, I think this person would be fab for you. I'd love, you know, they just want me to be happy and to to um, they think that being in a relationship will will make that happen, you know, or make me more happy. But I, oh, I, I was like, yeah, maybe. And then one day I just said, do I even want that? Mm. You know, and it was so long. It, it, I don't think I'd ever sat and thought like, 
is this something that you'd wanted? And from my teens, I was just in a rotating door mm. of relationships. Now, there was three or four long-term relationships. There wasn't hundreds of men. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I just got into relationships. As one ended, you'd naturally just progress into another mm. one. And I never spent that time in my youth asking myself, mm. do you even want to be in a relationship? Should you not find out who you are before you try and, you know, form a, a connection or a bond with someone else? Mm. Heal yourself first. See how you get on with that. Yeah. It's going to take a while, Lydia. And then maybe get into another relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it varies for everyone, doesn't it? Everyone's journey is so different. So in different. Terms of, like, you know, getting to know yourself, discovering who you are. I mean, for some people, perhaps that can happen for them in relationship with other yeah. people. But um, for others, they need to do that work alone. Yeah. Mm. And I can see why being in a relationship can sometimes really take away from being able to do do that real self-discovery yeah. stuff. Um, because sometimes we can be even just distracted by the general everyday things that we would do with a yeah. partner. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And an area that I'm always interested in is, you know, I, I, you'd have the better idea of the, the tech, technical terms than I would, but the the codependency oh, yeah. that exists within relationships and the kind of formation of one human as opposed to two people who are on a journey together and helping each other grow and expand. Mm. And, you know, sometimes without even noticing it, people can enter into like a toxic mm. headspace within their relationships and, you know, how to recognize that and how to pull back from that when it's in it. So there's so much that goes into it. And when you say, you know, that when you started out, it was kind of, it was a niche minority. When you actually break it down, we should probably all be going to people like you. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, or at, at the minimum, you would, wouldn't it be the ideal if we had some relationship education in schools, you know? Absolutely. As a as a life skill yes. subject, you yes. would think, you know, um, there's so much in relationships. And if we've grown up, I mean, the biggest educator can be our, our homes. You know, where have we grown up? I was just about to say how many of us learn relationships through our parents, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, our parents, our caregivers, whomever we would have seen growing up, they can be our greatest teachers in love. And let's say they didn't have the best uh, relationship educators in their life then there's this kind of legacy that's passed on and Mm -hmm. this codependent thing that you speak of I think we're all a little bit codependent you know it can be something that's on a spectrum but Mm -hmm. when it comes to relationships when we move into that space of like feeling the feelings of another person and thinking that you're responsible for how they feel yeah I think that's when it's you know it moves from being okay I'm a little bit codependent to now this is a toxic relationship where mm-hmm. I don't know what I feel um what I feel is mixed up with what my partner feels and yeah. how, who even am I so then we're back to that question again where Absolutely. we can get lost in mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. how much does our environment from children affect our relationships as others as adults Mm. I think it's hugely important Mm -hmm. hugely important yeah I mean whenever I work with clients we 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 take stock of where you've come from Mm. to get a sense of um like I said I suppose the role modeling that we picked up and the teachings that we learned about love about relationships Mm. in our households even you know the subconscious messages that we would have received about what it was to be in relationship to be in partnership and whether it was encouraged discouraged Mm. or you know what, what did we learn yeah it's such an it's such an interesting question when we think about it yeah you know? yeah 
Yeah. I like, I mean, I part of my um, my own journey of self-discovery is not to lay blame on anybody else, <laughs> to take responsibility for my own actions in all works of life. But there is definitely some things in, you know, traits that I have picked up from my parents and their relationship with mm-hmm. each other and how they interacted with each other. And, you know, just the the mechanics and the dynamics and different mm-hmm. things that I definitely um, have brought into my past relationships in terms of how I responded to partners, mm-hmm. how I saw them in my life. So it was just mm-hmm. such a learning experience when you realize, oh God, I'm, you know, I've turned into my dad or oh, I've turned into my mother, you know, um, the good and the bad, you yeah. know, both of us. But how difficult is it to reprogram our brains when it's something like a subconscious relationship pattern or, you know, the desire or needs or wants? that you need or that you require from a partner mm-hmm. how difficult is that to to change mm-hmm. the subconscious i suppose and re- reprogram rewire yourself into having a more healthy functional mm-hmm. relationship with not only yourself but with other people mm. the first step is always awareness you know mm-hmm. am i aware of of it um and like you said uh, lydia it's not about blaming it's just about can I take ownership for what I have experienced you know Mm -hmm. and can I also have compassion you know for for my experience or maybe my losses in it yeah but equally that I can recognize there was probably losses from you know for my parents or caregivers too Mm -hmm. in that they wouldn't have maybe known any different because I think most of us, we're, we're doing our best. We're trying to do yes. our best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think as little children, we're like little sponges, you know, so mm-hmm. we observe, we ob- absorb so much unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So bringing awareness to what we have absorbed, I think, is the first step. After that, we then need to look at how that relates to our everyday experience in dating and relationships, mm-hmm. if this is a specific area that you're interested in looking at. So once we understand, OK, perhaps in my upbringing, my childhood, what was role model to me was was on off love, mm-hmm. you know, or conditional love. Yeah. So if I behave, for example, as a good girl, mm. in inverted commas, you yeah. know, <laughs> Um, how does that then impact me in dating or in relationships or equally if I grew up in a household where um, I was rewarded for standing up for myself for having a voice for Mm. um, maybe maybe avoiding situations how is that showing up in my dating relationship life Mm. there's so much and Mm. people don't realize how much it actually affects them in their day to day life, right? Yeah, it's fascinating that yeah. there's. It's I've, I imagine it's a minefield in terms of your, you, you know, dealing with clients and who comes through your door. Yeah. There's probably so much involved in it. There is so much, but then I, I, I also don't like people to think it's too complicated because r- the reality is we all have a past, we all mm. have a history, and if we could just own it and allow that to be something that we can take responsibility for. Um, I don't know, take it as part of our journey. This is mm-hmm. this is like part of my journey that I've been kind of dealt these cards and this has been my experience. This has been my unconscious maybe programming or this is what I have acquired mm. to this point. How would I like things to be different? 
Yeah. And then we put a plan in place for how we can work towards that, you know, things being different. Mm. So in terms of then unlearning or yeah, unlearning what we've what, what we have maybe unconsciously learned, it's about um, looking at us today and what do we truly believe about love and relationships? Mm. Because sometimes we are acting out of our past rather yes. than acting out of what our you know beliefs are today yes very mm. very good point that's so interesting mm, that's so it? interesting mm. what um how much does expectation ruin or <laughs> affect relationships in terms of the expectation of what a relationship they've hoped it to be or maybe we'll say marriage I imagine is probably a big one especially with people who are you know in their 20s or their 30s and you spent a massive amount of time thinking about the day that you get engaged and there's a proposal and a big wedding with family. Mm -hmm. And then my experience with friends that have been married is there's a little bit of an anticlimax in terms of there's so much excitement surrounding engagement, the prepping Mm -hmm. the wedding and the wedding happens. And then there's a bit of an anticlimax. And then, you know, as we see the relationship or the marriage progressing, is there ever a, 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 an expectation or a demand that people feel that they should be having or need to be having? But when their actual real life doesn't live up to that, mm. it creates almost like a conflict in their mind. Do, mm. Would you see that commonly enough? Or? Where there is an expectation that things will be different and then they're not and there's huge disappointment or there's a big gap exactly. between reality and expectation. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think... An important thing is to ask yourself, why are you getting married? Why are you in relationship? Mm. Why are you with this partner? Why are you proposing to this partner? Like, what is your what is the goal? You know, is it Mm -hmm. what is your personal reasons for doing this or for making this next step rather than, you know, just kind of doing what you feel you should do? And I mean, should again, air quotes, because yeah. <laughs> like, we, why do we feel there's a, an ex, why, why should there be an expectation mm. around the next step? Yeah. Mm. Would a lot of people come in with, with, uh, you know, kind of a separation in that expectation? Would that be a common thing? I, I, I would wonder how many mm. people actually ask them when I hear you say, breaking down the questions, mm. asking the whys, the who's, the what's, the when, I wonder, do people actually do that I know that I didn't do that in the past with relationships mm. you know to analyze things to I'm a very emotive emotional person yeah. so and I'm very much in my emotions especially mm. when I was in relationships the good the bad everything in mm. between um it's only now in my 30s where I sit back and when I have feelings of excitement or anxiety or whatever happens I'm able to sit back and analyze the feeling mm. and say, well, I'm not too keen on that feeling. Why is that happening? <laughs> oh, this is why. Okay. I need to change that. You know, so I'm definitely on a very, a, I have the time. I have the luxury mm. to be self explorative. Is that the word, Shane? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dictionary in the corner says yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, Again, I, I, I don't want you to go into like people's personal stories or anything like that, but I'm trying to give our listeners an idea of who is the character, who is the person who comes to you and what are the, the sort of most common um, complaints or concerns mm-hmm. or issues that they have. I'm hoping that you will give an example and then our listeners will say, 
that's exactly me. Mm. That's that's exactly what I'm going through. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, oh, let me think off the top of my head. The majority of clients that I see are single wanting to attract healthy, intimate love mm. and are struggling to do so. In ter- what I mean by the struggle is they feel as though they're repeating the same patterns over and over again. Yes. So they feel quite stuck. Yes. So that's a very, very common core group of people that I would see. Then I would see another group of people who may be healing from heartbreak. So mm. they've been in a long term relationship. They may have been married, any number of any relationship breakdown. And they are looking to heal to kind of make sense of why this relationship has failed. Third client group can be people who are in relationship and want to either enhance some aspect of it that's mm. challenging or they want to clarify whether or not they're in a healthy relationship. That's a really common one. Yeah. I, I, I do a lot of messaging around um, healthy, unhealthy relationships because mm. I feel quite strongly about the fact that we are very clear and very aware of when we're in healthy and very unhealthy slash toxic relationships. Mm. Yeah. Give me an example of healthy relationship and give me some examples of toxic. Mm. Well, I'll give you an example of toxic because I think once we have a look at what toxic is, we can then have a sense. OK, so healthy would be, well, the absence of criticism, contempt, um, belittling, mm-hmm. um, power plays, control, things mm-hmm. like that. Whereas the toxic love, toxic relationship can have this quality of oh, I am so addicted to this treatment, even though if it was happening to a friend of mine, I I would I would advise them so differently. Mm. Mm. That in itself is a big one, isn't it? You know, the advice you give others versus the advice you take for yourself. Absolutely. That's that's one, I think. <laughs> Me, I'm like a guilty, guilty oh, so guilty of mm. it, you know. Um, and again, I think that's something that comes with age. Mm. You know, you kind of... You get a little bit, you just be, are you, I suppose it's that self-awareness again. Um, let's talk about, we'll say, I know we spoke on the phone about the sort of plague of the single mid-30s woman that is branded <laughs> with, what's wrong with her? Like there's a sign that goes over it. My head, literally an arrow pointing, single, I'm 35, what is her issue? Um let's talk about that because I believe that a massive part of that is obviously to do with like the societal conditioning that you know especially in Ireland people got married at very young ages had kids very young so we have that but also we have the role of we'll say social media and the Mm -hmm. pressures of like you know the happy couple and it's on Instagram and the engagement ring and up, you know, up a, a cliff top and you're, you know, like someone is, is getting engaged or there's like a fab wedding at a fabulous location with all the friends and everyone looks so happy. And it's kind of like, you know, not that people get married for that, but it does kind of attribute mm-hmm. to the feelings of um, incompletion, maybe mm-hmm. to women that are and men that are single in their, their 30s or their 40s. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Yeah it's what tell me I'm normal is what I'm asking you are so normal oh my goodness you are so normal you're not alone in this world Lydia there is like a whole bandwagon of women right behind you there yeah 
yeah no I understand it and I've lived it and I still live it to, yes. to some extent you know um, there is a stigma around being single past a certain age for sure um, I'd love to I always I always come to this point where I say I'd love to speak to men about this too I don't believe they experience this in the same way mm. but um, women certainly do and this notion of the 2.4 children being the ideal yes. is is problematic that thinking is problematic as is the thinking that you have about yourself. Mm-hmm. So what narrative are we telling ourselves about yes. being single? That is hugely important. Yeah. Um, so so we do have choices. I mean, sometimes it may feel like we don't have choices if we are bombarded with images and chat about weddings and engagement rings and babies as if yeah. they're the, you know. That's it. But that is it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but... But yeah, the stick, the, the the idea of 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 yeah, there being a stigma, um, it's it is real. Uh, it does cause cause a lot of pain. I know we're laughing mm. about it now, but actually, in a serious level, it causes a lot of pain yes. for people. And if anyone is out there listening and they're carrying a belief that there is something wrong with them, uh, I wonder how that then has an impact on how they show up on a date yes or how they're showing up in the world yes Mm. yeah Mm. brilliant breakdown of it yeah because it's it's Mm. it goes back to um you know even the this the law of attraction or the secret you know what i mean and not just in relations but you know Mm. you you get what you give you Mm. know you you get back what you give out to the world it's not you know i know when i'm like having a bad day and i'm giving out and i'm negative that's what you receive off people. Mm-hmm. You know, I always notice when I'm like, God damn, I'm labor something and I'm rushing around and then you'll meet someone who bumps in off you. You know, there's always some kind of tension and you're like, God damn it, what's what your way? You know, it's just, it, it's a it's a really good way to break down and look at why things are happening. Mm-hmm. But let's talk um, about that. I, I know that um, when we spoke yesterday, you know, I was giving you a little breakdown of my situation and, you know, what we were going to speak about on the podcast and we mentioned that I have somewhat turned into um, a sort of, I would not definitely not a voice, but a, a safe space. My social media has turned into a safe space for women who are like me, that are in their 30s, that are young spirited, that are chasing careers, that mm. are, you know, finding passions and different things. And I get so many messages off them being like, thank you so much for being so open mm. about being single, being 35 not you know um not giving in to like filtered social media mm. and like you know um portray- portraying myself in any other way that's not who I am you know I'm mm. very honest and I like to be very transparent and you know I, I remember once I got this massive long message of this um really really lovely lady and she was just like thank you so much like I, I was doing like a Q&A thing on Instagram and I was answering questions about relationships and you know having a bit of a laugh about it and she was like I am feel so down at the moment mm. that I haven't been in a relationship for two and a half years I can't get a date I'm really like I can't do the online dating thing Um, I just feel like I'm always I'm going to die alone basically mm. and I was like and then at the end of the message she was like you'll probably you probably never see this or you'll probably read it and not reply but she was like I promise I'm not crazy but uh I just really connected with what you were saying and I just had to let you know so I like that even then I took a couple of minutes and I just sent a big reply I was like I've been single 
five years, I have an irrational fear of being in relationships again mm. because of what I experienced in my 20s mm-hmm. and how much I gave of myself mm. in those relationships. So I feel that I'm so... I love who I am now mm. and I love myself. I love my jobs. Mm. I love what I'm doing. I love the, the life I've created for myself. I'm terrified to let someone into that mm. in case I lose the run of myself, inverted mm. commas, or I give them too much power or control. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's fear. like I have a safe little bubble here that nobody can get into. Mm. And as long as I keep everyone away that could be a threat, I'm safe. Mm. And that I attribute to not feeling safe as a child in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got there to think that, but mm. that's what I just think that when I'm in relationships or when I was in the past, they played onto too much of my um, vulnerabilities, my negative traits. They they um, expanded mm-hmm. all of the parts of me that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. So when I, my last relationship, I was we were together for five years and uh, you know it was so toxic from both mm. ends I was a toxic person he was a toxic person and I never want to be that person again mm-hmm. I never want to be here I know that she's in me I know mm. that there is an ability to go yeah. back there but I'm so scared that mm. I will enter into a relationship with someone and I won't be able to control it yeah and I love your vulnerability and your awareness and what would you say, Lady, if it was the case that I could tell you that you are safe, that you um, would be able to manage things completely different, that the next relationship mm. wouldn't be the same as your last? Mm-hmm. What would that relationship look like? If it was to be safe, if it was to be very different to your last relationship? It, I would be absolutely fantasizing it because it will be nothing like anything I've ever experienced before Mm, you've never ever felt this before so it feels like it's totally out of reach it's it's yeah it's it's not even that it's out of reach it's just I will be creating my dream scenario Mm, you know it feels like a dream it feels like a dream because it has never been reality yeah Mm. yeah and I've never met anyone that I felt could provide that in the relationship but also I don't give people an opportunity Mm -hmm. can I read out what my friend said because I knew we were going to talk about this I told you I'm totally selfish I'm using you as an opportunity to heal myself (laughs) really sorry to all our listeners here but enjoy the ride (laughs) Um, it's really good because it's a really common uh, it's a really really common pain point you know that I'm afraid because I've had an experience in the past that was so terrifying I lost myself yes. and I really don't want to repeat that yes that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and I've always been so open to love mm-hmm. and ju- like gotten into relationships you know and like was so free spirited and mm-hmm. you know t- took the hurt when the hurt came like it, ne- it never affected me getting into th- as much hurt as I experienced in the relationship, it never stopped me getting into new ones. I always had the hope and the, you know, resiliency. The, the, yeah, totally. But then something when I when I turned thirty and I started going to therapy and I started really investigating myself and creating the person that mm. I wanted to be and the life that I wanted, I realized it was I it was the first time in my life that I realized that I didn't need anyone else to be happy mm-hmm. that I had the ability to make myself happy and oh and that is 
that is a message that if only we could all really understand, embody yes. and live. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference is I've gone too far over the other yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let me put, this is my good friend, Amanda. Um, and uh, let me see. Uh, let me see if I can find it. I said, um, I said, uh, I told her, I told them all in my group chat today that you were coming on. And I was like, you know, we're going to ask questions. Well, he wants to get any of the questions out. And uh, I said, Amanda, if I'm speaking about my relationship and where I am in my life, how would you describe me if I had to, to let Annie know? And she said, um, you continuously go for men who you know are bad for you and with whom it will inevitably fail so that the possibility of the relationship failing cannot be because of you. So I can't be blamed for it. That's because you fear rejection or perhaps being be, or cause of the break. Uh, that's because you fear a fear of rejection or you're being the cause of the breakup so that I will be implicated mm-hmm. for the cause of the breakup. And you prefer to go in a safe failing style so that you can't be blamed. Something mm-hmm. like that question mark, <laughs> which is Great which is very, very very true. Mm. So again, without divulging too much, I would have the perfect guy. Mm. And when I say about being single for five years, I'm definitely not short of people asking me out. That's that's definitely mm. go you Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> There's hundreds of men. Hundreds that want my number. But I would have, we'll say, the perfect candidate. Mm. Career, great fun, good looking, really, really interested in me. Great conversationist, loads going from, you know, polite, all the boxes ticked. And I'd be like, I don't know, lads, no, I don't know, I don't know. And then there will be someone who will be emotionally manipulative, Mm. blackmail. Um, you know, that will be just a bit of a player, I suppose. Mm. And we kind of show interest in dribs and drabs. Mm. Show interest, take it away. Mm. Show interest, take it away. And it becomes like a game to me then. Mm. It's a challenge. Mm. Oh, right, we're playing this game. And I will just want to go towards the bad end mm-hmm. and not be with this guy that's absolutely perfect. And that is literally like, I am crazy about you. Can I please take you out on a date? Mm. So... My friends are very, they do get frustrated, you know. Um, because what would Mr. Perfect, who isn't perfect, by the way, because there is no perfect, no perfect, we know that. Yeah, tens but don't exist. What, <laughs> what is the difference? Okay, so, so you're gravitating towards the familiar. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. So then Mr. Perfect, what is he offering that is somehow unfamiliar? Um... Probably just like, uh, God, good question. Um, emotional availability is probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Someone that is saying, I see you as you are. Mm. I accept you as you are. Mm. I actually really like who you are. Mm. And I'd like you to be in my life. Mm. Terrifies me. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifies me. Yeah. The thought of that. Because? Straight up, because I will, f- I fear that they will get to know me mm. and that I won't live up to their expectation of me mm. and that I in some way would have failed that mm. or failed them or failed myself. Mm-hmm. And it's t- a total fabrication. 
And then what has happened in the past is I then live up to that negative, um, that that negative stereotype that I've told myself that I am. Mm. I will I will live that out and mm. I will destroy, I will sabotage the relationship. Okay, so kind of like self-sabotage. Completely. Yeah, so you'll believe, you'll believe your own messaging around... I am going to mess this up or I will yeah. unconsciously mess this up. Yeah. Or you're just not worth it. You're just not worth yeah. it. Yeah. And also fears of. I suppose. You're not good enough and they're eventually going to leave mm. because they will realize that you're not good enough or you're not as they have expected. Mm. And it's gotten worse since I've gotten a public image Mm. Um, tried online dating tried blind dates tried you know going for groups of friends and the, the not that my public image is huge but there's enough people who know I'm obviously attracted to a certain type mm. of people usually people that are into combat sports or mm-hmm. you know that kind of area so I'm recognized from that mm-hmm. and I would have you know say I tried dating and uh, our internet dating and someone would like screenshot my profile DM me it on Instagram and be mm. like, what's a, what's a girl like you doing on Tinder? Or what's a girl like you doing on Bumble? I'll take you out. And they're probably not the most, you know, <laughs> lucrative. <laughs> would say. I'm sure they're lovely guys. But, you know, it, it, that I, it's like a, a sense of like, you know, that a vulnerability or like mm. someone seeing like into your house. It's almost like having a house in the darkness and all the lights are turned on and the blinds are open mm. so people can see directly in and for some reason it terrifies me mm. so I don't online date and I don't have a social life mm. so while they, we're going to get into the questions now and while we're talking I'm taking up two of your time talking about me but no so, it's really interesting because as you're sharing there's yes. other people listening who can all have a very similar version of this story. You know, I'm seeking the unavailable. The unavailable is familiar. It's safe because I don't have to show up. I don't have to be seen. So when I have to show up and I have to be seen, that terrifies me. Mm. But actually, it would be about gradually one step in front of the other that you you show up in in very gradual ways, Mm. you know, because and to realize for your nervous system to realize it's safe, it is okay. Yeah. But to obviously be doing that in such safe company, Mm. you know, so so when it comes to love, a part that really is helpful to create safety in our nervous system is that we don't just go on heart feelings, Mm. that we can also balance that with our heads, you know. So it's not that I'm completely in my head checking lists, but that I I feel, Mm. but then I'm also able to assess whether or not, you know, based on everything I know about myself, that, you know, this relationship might have a good footing just to start with you know would it feel safe enough just to start with because nobody knows where a relationship is going to go but for me to feel safe enough to start with it has to be more than just I'm going to go with chemistry alone Mm. so that's where the self-discovery the understanding of my patterns my own you know my limiting beliefs can hold me back and it's uncovering how to unlock those so, I mean, Amazing. I make it sound simple, but it is a process. Yes. Yeah. But it's really brave of you to share. And, and even this is really vulnerable. Mm. You know, it's funny. I actually don't find speaking about it. Mm. I don't feel vulnerable speaking about it. I feel vulnerable in it. Mm. Does that make sense? And why does it feel vulnerable when you're in it? What's, what's my, icky about it? 
the word vulnerable alone gives me the icks. I hate it. And even though you know that vulnerability is an essential ingredient for intimacy. Yeah. <laughs> the teacher yeah. in me is coming out yeah. there. I can hear her. I, I, I hate I can be vulnerable with anybody, but in relationships, I find it very hard mm. to be vulnerable, okay. especially emotionally vulnerable, because I feel that it's a sign of weakness or it's a it's weakness on my part being oh, vulnerable. Yes. So I like to just be like, you know. It's a weakness. OK, yeah. So why would it be a weakness? I feel that what it happens when you're vulnerable. Well, it doesn't happen that often that I allow it to happen. But what would happen? What could potentially happen? Um, I suppose the fear is... What could happen? That that you, you're vulnerable in the moment and you're unsafe. Mm. It's unsafe. You're not protected. I have a massive thing with being protected and feeling safe. Mm. And it's like, you know, this bubble thing. If I'm in the bubble mm. and I have control of the bubble... And I know who's in it. Mm. And, and I, I, I have lots of friends and I'm a very sociable person, but there's very few people that actually really know me mm-hmm. and that I feel okay with really speaking my mind or mm-hmm. what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. There'd be very few people that I would trust with that mm-hmm. um, vulnerability. Yeah, so trust is a huge factor in 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 being vulnerable. And yeah. I think to remember with vulnerability is that we we do so gradually. We mm. share a little and we assess, you know, it, it, does it feel safe here? Have I been shamed? Has there been a joke being made about me sharing in this yeah. way? So everything has to be done in really small bite size steps because otherwise mm. our nervous system can it, it will really panic and want to shut down. Yeah. And your bubble is your defenses. Mm. So, you know, your bubble can be that well, I mean, it can, I'm not saying for you, but for anyone, it could be anything from, you know, overworking. It could be um, it could be drugs. It could be drink. Mm. It could be eat, you know, bad eating habits. It could be any number of things. These are, our, you know, coping mechanisms to mm. deal with the risk that comes with having to reveal who we truly are, yeah. because being vulnerable is ultimately um, showing our authentic selves. Mm. And that can be the most terrifying thing if in the past somewhere I did that and yeah. it was shamed or it wasn't respected and it wasn't treated in the way that it should have been yeah. and everyone deserves to have you know received love in a way that it f- that that feels safe and mm. feels nourishing but but for lots of different reasons we, we we all don't have that experience so therefore our nervous system doesn't have that experience and immediately wants to do that you know fight yeah. flight freeze fawn it's one of those mm. responses so um then the bubble yeah the bubble yeah. then is where you retreat to mm. Mm. that's mm. very interesting I need to book in with you for yeah. a session <laughs> I'm going to give somebody else an opportunity now because they're really good questions that have come in but there was a question in I'm, I'm not going to call out the, the names of people who sent them in but um, they've asked I'll say it was a, it's a female mm-hmm. and she's asked um, how do you know when a relationship is over battling with the decision at the moment mm. It's really hard to to respond to that question because we don't know anything other than she's battling with a decision. So Mm -hmm. when you're battling with a decision and you're in this space of uncertainty, it can be really important to not go it alone and to seek the support of of 
professional help. I think I say professional help because I think when it comes to uh, relying on friends, we can rely on so many opinions of so many mm. different people and we're left in a more confusing state again. Yeah. So I think it might be worthwhile for that person, that lady, to link in with a professional just to really try and have an objective opinion mm-hmm. around what potentially she could do going forward. Yeah, there is a con- uh, maybe it could be a misconception um, or it could be factual. I don't know that the first thing to go in a relationship would be maybe sex or like that sort of intimacy mm-hmm. that if that goes mm-hmm. after a long period of time, then there's sort of alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Is Would that be uh, I mean, would that be it, fair it, to say? It could be. But then if we're to look at, you know, a life change or a life stage, yes. someone's had a child. I mean, sex, it might be absent for a while and yet it can come back again. Um, there could be uh, a bereavement. Someone might, yeah. you know, someone might be on medication, loss of libido. There's loads of different reasons why, you know, someone's yeah. sexual desire might diminish. And as a result, um, sex might be off the table yeah. for a while. But um I know it's interesting. Some of the common myths that yeah. are out there and then for us to do we believe them? Do mm. we know enough information to be able to say, well, that's true or no, it's not. And I think if we can try and remember that every relationship is so very different, that we co-create our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting because there is another question here. Um, it's from a female as well. Mm. And she said, um, I only see my boyfriend um, once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Um, He has started to put a lot of pressure on me that we're not having enough sex. Mm. But I'm just really tired from work and just not, inverted commas, in the mood. How do I go about communicating with him how I'm feeling without hurting or offending him? Mm, That is such a brilliant question because this idea of not being able to state how we feel without offending another person is a reason that so many people hold back from saying anything. Uh-huh. So then this this um, resentment can build. Uh, she has to be, well, she doesn't have to be anything, but I would suggest that she communicates those words as simply as she has to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, another that came in. Um, what are, I swear I didn't write this. <laughs> what are other alternatives to meeting someone other than dating apps? Mm. At the moment, I guess this person is probably thinking, what are the alternatives? Because that's, I mean, this, uh, this is an interesting one and always is. People sometimes forget that we are living in a world of other people mm. all of the time. Yeah. So there is always an opportunity to speak to somebody, to smile. um, And I'm really hopeful that there might be more of that happening because we are limited in how Mm. we might, you know, how we can interact now. If people overly relied on bars and clubs to meet people, then there are maybe more, fewer opportunities. Mm. But really and truly, maybe there's just different opportunities. Do you know what I miss, Annie, is a time pre dating apps when mm. you would go out for a few points on a Friday night and you'd be at the bar ordering a pint of Guinness and you turn to your right and there'd be some fella there can I buy you that point yes mate of course you can you can buy me the second as well if you want <laughs> <laughs> that's what I miss bring but back that I bring yeah. back that now obviously I was a raging alcoholic at the time when this is going on <laughs> I don't really drink anymore or go to bars but I miss that sim- and the braveness of youth you know where yeah. you were like yeah go on buy me that point no I don't mind that's what I miss but, but I love that risk you know that risk that someone takes like it, it's quite a brave act to yeah. you know 
interrupt a stranger and and just make that suggestion it's, yeah. it's but it, but it's really admirable isn't it the yeah, same. let's really encourage this Lydia let's really encourage this <laughs> the say Amanda that gave you the, the description about me that my friends group uh, were called the council that's what, what the, the, council, the, the, yeah we called each other the council but um when I, they had given me an exercise for my vulnerability and they wanted me to go into a butcher's and ask for sweets so that was knowing that I was oh. going to get rejected and knowing that I I, that I was going to get like a, you know, like, I, have you got chocolate bars here? And, you know, he's like, this is a butcher's. It's not, we've no chocolate here. We've no sweets here. And then I'm like, all oh, right, okay. And how do I do it? So they wanted me to put myself in situations where I was going to have to be vulnerable or out of, or out, out of my comfort mm. zone. Exactly. But I do jujitsu, so that should be enough for everyone. <laughs> um, what are some communication tips for stonewalling? Ooh. Yeah, C- can you give an explanation of what stonewalling is? Because I had to um, Google it earlier on because mm. I didn't know. Stonewalling is that behavior where when somebody completely shuts down, so they mm. almost become like a stone. So they're they're unhappy. So it's it's quite a passive aggressive move. You know, mm. I'm unhappy about something. I'm not going to communicate directly with you why I'm unhappy. I'm just going to stonewall you, which is I'm just going to blank you. Oh, I would be very gu- guilty of a stonewall. That yeah. would that old Lydia would have been loved, yeah. loved a stonewall. Yeah, I have I have that tendency too. Um, you have to catch yourself when you're in that though, and it can be really hard yeah. to break out of the stonewalling. But is the question is is she in the sto- the stonewaller or? It is a female as well. Uh, she said some communication tips for stonewalling would be great. I would imagine uh, that she experiencing is experiencing it. it. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was read that from she is experiencing it it has to be addressed it has to be addressed it's a it's a it's um the relationship skill of directly communicating is the antidote Mm. to stonewalling so this person that she's with may be quite avoidant um and they may not even respond very well to having you know conversation around this so it might be really important for her to mention uh, it's really difficult for me to bring this up with you because I'm I'm nervous about addressing this with you because I'm afraid that maybe you're going to blank me again. But I need you to know how hurtful it is. It's mm. really hurting me when you, um, you know, you kind of shut down and really describe your feelings instead of pointing the finger of blame. Describe how hurt you feel mm. when he or she turns their back on you. And how isolated you can feel because, you know, as, as much as um, it's like a really bad habit to have kind of gotten into yourself, if you've ever experienced it in relationship with another person, it's equally really upsetting to be around somebody who is just not acknowledging your existence. Yes. Fantastic advice. Mm-hmm. Um, a male has sent this one in and said, what are the best tips to escape the friend zone? Ooh. Best tips to escape friend zoning. Hmm. I think flirt. Mm-hmm. Flirt um, and see how it's resp- how the person responds. Mm. You know, flirting again flirting. An, an area I am not good at. Like mm-hmm. literally, I'm like the girls would be like, just send send him a text back. Like you know, let him know that you're interested. And I'm like, so good day? Question mark. <laughs> flirt is and they're like oh, she means actually out of this world um another male has asked in how do you define a relationship oh well how do you define a relationship because that's really the important question yeah what is a relationship to you mm, very good mm. um let me see okay one more before we before we wrap up we got a good one brilliant one 
from one of my best friends, but she'll remain nameless because I don't want to implicate her. <laughs> um, she would like to know Annie. Um, I'm very curious about how many people that you encounter that fake orgasms. She said, um, in particular, women that have backed themselves into a corner by faking orgasms and now they can't stop. Mm, that's really sad. It's very common. And common. Very common, right? So why, why do these people feel the need to fake an orgasm? What is it that mm. they feel they need to communicate to their partner? Um, the sex, obviously, you know, this is the thing about about sex. It's it's so individual and getting to know what turns the partner on is something that mm -hmm. should be the most, you know, natural thing in the world to discuss. Yeah. But yet isn't. Mm. Uh, so I think there's we need we need to break down this idea that um, everyone should just get it and be you know quote unquote good at sex yeah. when you're in a relationship you have to discover the secrets of the other person's body so he she or they whoever like they're doing their partner a disservice actually yeah by faking mm. and I know it's quite tricky actually if they've probably faked for a very long time and now yeah. suddenly you know the same uh, tricks are being pulled out and yeah <laughs> feel they feel they must you know respond to the same way yes um yeah. do they fess up and just say yeah. okay this is this is how it's been and mm. I really want to have an honest conversation with you and again it's really hard for me to do this because I'm embarrassed yeah if that's how the person feels um but can we talk and maybe laugh about this because yeah you know like sex is messy and like yeah like you know funny as well at times so why do yes. we, do we, we all take it so seriously like we do I think uh, maybe that has that has a lot to do with maybe the rise of porn the rise of expectation the rise of all these different things that affect or movies probably is a massive one as well yeah, right and our history and Catholicism and yes. our you know lineage of keeping things secrets and not talking yes. openly about subjects all of this has probably got a huge impact brilliant so yeah v very very last oh, question can Go I just on. say to that person yes. for anybody who's listening um, Come As You Are is a really good read for um, great name yeah yeah, Emily Nagigoski. I may have pronounced that. Is it C U M? Come as you are. No, C O M E. Perfect. Come as you are. Mm. Well, she missed a trick on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very last one. Um, uh, question, Lydia. Can you please ask Annie um, how to get a friend to realise um, and get out of? a manipulative relationship and also mm. as the friend how do you act oh gosh yeah it's very tricky I've been in this situation myself personally um I've been honest and I've been as sensitive as I possibly could to just say I'm not sure I, I, I'm noticing that there's some things that happen here they they seem like they're a little bit unusual do you feel like you feel comfortable when he or she or they mm. do this yeah, Very you're good. gently just trying to bring up the subject so that they can feel it's safe to talk to you. It's really important not to turn your back on a friend who's in an mm -hmm. unhealthy or toxic relationship because uh, so many other people may 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 end up doing that because yeah. they can't understand why somebody is staying in an unhealthy relationship. Yes. But look up um, Dr. Ramani. She speaks about the subject in a really extensive way and look up the top uh, the term trauma bonding. 
It really explains why sometimes we can feel stuck and powerless. Mm. Mm. Very good. Annie, thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. That was brilliant. I really, yeah, really enjoyed that. Too, like too, too much. Me too, Lydia. That's great. <laughs> it was really good. Thank you so much for educating us and sharing your knowledge. It's super. And um, before we go, where can people find out more about you and and um, get in touch? Yeah, most of uh, I'm. Where am I? Why am I getting so tongue tied now? You've just asked me a very simple question. <laughs> You'll find me at the relationshipcoach.ie. The .ie part's important because there's a few relationship coaches on Instagram and I am there quite a lot and I answer a lot of um, questions that come in from people and uh, my website is, yeah, the relationshipcoach.ie and there's a contact form there for anybody who'd like to work with me. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Well, I encourage anyone that resonated with what you said today to get in touch if they feel they need to. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. That was so informative so and great. Thank you for coming in. Uh, Annie Lavin, aka the Relationship Coach for The First Exchange. Mm-hmm.